I am Nicole Khalil, and I'm more than a little excited to bring you the best, the most listened to episodes of This Is Woman's Work in 2022. I love doing this episode each year as it gives me the opportunity to reflect, to revisit all of our episodes, to see what resonated with you and what didn't, and to celebrate all the amazing content, guests, and learnings that have happened over the year. And just like last year, I'm bringing this best of episode to you while I'm sick. I have this head cold that won't seem to go away, so forgive my not-so-sexy, phlegmy voice and the occasional hacking that may occur that hopefully Nikki can edit out. All right, I want to start by sharing a few things that I'm celebrating because you're the ones that made it happen. This is Woman's Work is in the top 2% most listened to of all podcasts in all categories across the world. People from 64 different countries have tuned in. 88% of the listeners identifying as women, which makes sense if we're a podcast called This Is Woman's Work. But it also means that 12% of our regular listeners are men or non-binary, which excites me, again, considering the show is called This Is Woman's Work. Regardless of how you identify, I am thrilled and honored that you're tuning in. It's actually kind of wild to me that you take time out of your very busy lives and very busy schedules, and it just is so encouraging. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We also saw an increase in listeners of 65% over 2021, and my favorite of all of the stats was that This Is Woman's Work is in the top 5% of most shared podcasts globally. That means you're telling your friends and your close coworkers and family about the show. And again, that just means the absolute world to me. If we were together, we would be doing a happy dance right now. There is so much to celebrate. Okay. Without further delay, I bring you our top five most listened to episodes of 2022. The fifth most listened to episode is one of my team's favorites of all time. Don't get me wrong. I loved it too, but they really, really loved it. And it was just released two months ago. So it must have been good to have had so many downloads to make it into the top five in, in such a short period of time. My guest was introduced to me by a mutual friend and wonderful supporter, Jordan Montgomery, and her focus on letting go of perfection made it a pretty clear choice to have her on my show. I think we recorded a really good episode for her No More Perfect podcast, and I know she crushed it on mine. With what she calls the perfection infection on episode number 110, here is a woman I admire and respect for her faith, her confidence, and her vulnerability and love. Coming in at the fifth most listened to episode of 2022, here is my incredible conversation with Jill Savage about the confidence derailer we all know all too well, perfection. For those of us who are achieving perfectionism, how might this be impacting the people in our lives? How might they be experiencing us? Oh yeah. And they feel like they can, they're never enough. It feeds into, you're not, you're not enough, which honestly they might already even have come into marriage or our circle of friendships or whatever with that message from their own childhood. That's often a message, you know, and, and I'll use our marriage as an example. So my husband was raised in um, an abusive environment. So his biological father and mother, they 
divorced at age two. He was the kid that would, you know, stand with his face against the window expecting daddy was supposed to come and pick him up and daddy didn't. Um, so there was a lot of rejection in his childhood. Um, then his mother married a man that was abusive. And so he came from a traumatic childhood. And so when you come out of trauma, there are, you talk about head trash, um, in your book, lots of head trash, right? And one piece of that head trash is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not anything enough. Well, then he marries a woman who is, who is confident, who has a, um, high level of, um, or has problem with this perfection infection thing. And, um, I unknowingly send two messages to him. One, you're not enough because I have this critical spirit about me. I'm always pointing out how he can do things better. So I'm sending the, I'm not enough. The second thing though, I'm sending him is I really don't need you because I kind of don't need anybody. You know, I, 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 I'm overconfident in that. And, um, I'm a strong woman, but that strong woman was sending a mess, an unintentional message to my husband that I did not need him. And quite frankly, part of my Jill 2.0 experience, because you can't have a 2.0 marriage if you don't have two 2.0 individuals. So part of my 2.0 individual experience, part of my personal growth that I would say over the last 10 years has been learning that I do need people and I do need my husband and even coming to understand what my needs are and expressing those. Cause I grew up in a loving home and a loving family, but we were the buck ups. So you buck up. If life gets hard, you get strong. Mm -hmm. You just buck up. And so I brought that into my mothering. I brought it into my marriage. And what I didn't realize is it made me not a very compassionate person. So part of Jill 2.0 has been learning to be compassionate first with myself, which is what you talk about in your uh, validation is for parking book. You talk about giving yourself grace. And I really had to learn how to give myself grace. I had to learn how to be okay with failure. Um, I had to learn how to be more compassionate with myself. And then the more I've been able to do that, it's made me a more compassionate wife, a more compassionate mother. And now I'm a grandmother, far more compassionate grandmother than I ever was a mom in my early years. But you know, here's what I've learned, Nicole, it's never too late. Yeah. It is never too late to do the work to do the work, the individual work, to do the relational work. Um, it's never too late. My kids are grown and in their twenties and thirties, and I'm a different mother with them now because I've done the work and that's been redeemed in our relationships too. Coming in at the number four spot is an episode that not only includes great guests with a great message, but also one of my absolute favorite products. Taylor and Casey Capuano joined me to share their journey as entrepreneurs and how they went from idea to product, the highs and lows, the fits and starts, the doubts and successes they've experienced 
is they built the business now known to all of us today as Cakes Body. I've given the gift of cakes to my biggest book launch supporters, to team members, to friends. I own four pair myself. And by the way, if you're looking for a great gift for yourself or a woman that you love, head on over to cakesbody.com so you can ditch those stupid sports bra pads, support women's health causes, and never have to deal with nipple freak out again. I was originally introduced to Taylor through the ultimate hype girl who you'll hear about again later. And Taylor and I hit it off right away. She and I connected several times and I hope that I offered encouragement and support for her to keep moving and and chasing this dream. And I've introduced them to a couple people in my network. What I think is important for you to know is that Taylor probably gave more to me than I did to her. She's connected me with some new contacts that resulted in some big speaking opportunities in 2022 and beyond. She's worked with a couple of the most sought after keynote speakers in the country. So her confidence in me to make those introductions was the encouragement and support that I needed at the time. I love them both for their commitment to spreading contagious confidence and bold spirits. I admire them both for doing it scared, which is basically how anyone does anything great. I appreciate their support of me and I can't wait to see all that they accomplish and to be able to say, I knew them back when. Here in the fourth most listened to spot of the year is episode 96, What's Your Million Dollar Idea with Taylor and Casey Capuano. Yeah, so the story behind Cakes, I think you set it up perfectly it started with a problem. And I love when you said the freaking pads. And that's exactly the problem, the freaking pads inside of our workout tops. And this was years ago, Taylor and I, it started as a joke. It was when Snapchat was big, and we'd be sending each other Snapchats of the ridiculous situations we'd get ourselves into with pads, one at the top, one around the back, or if the pads completely fell out, and we had NFO nipple freak out in the middle of the freezer aisle of the grocery store. And we just had this belief there has to be a better solution. There has to be a simple, a really simple solution too. So we started, this was before cakes. We started a brand called Nipple Armor. It was a very different brand. It was very funny, making fun of just the ridiculousness of this problem. And we, I mean, you asked how to start, just take any action. Literally, I mean, obviously Nipple Armor didn't take off um, and I'll tell you why, but we just took any action. We found a manufacturer, we got on the phone, we found out how to do the fulfillment, we filed our own trademarks. And at the 11th hour before, literally days before we were about to launch, we received a cease and desist from a large sportswear brand. That was, I mean, that was a huge knock to our confidence. At the time, we were 24 years old using our own money, and it left us thinking, how are we going to compete with these large, large brands? And we went back to the drawing board. We we really sat down, and we took a step back, and we, we developed this brand, Cakes Body, and we've launched Cakes now, um, which is a very similar product, but... We launched in January, like you said, top 8% of Shopify stores. Things are going going really well, and it's it's turned into a blessing that that happens because we really had to completely reevaluate our brand. Um, and I think just going from 
from idea to action, it's take any step, literally get on the phone, call someone. It doesn't even matter what the step is. Break it down into steps. Take one step after the other. You're going to get knocked down and just get back to it because that happens literally every day and you just got to push through. And I want to just say too, there were years between this nipple armor situation and launching Cake's body. And so I think for us, it was kind of always in the back of our minds that we really want to be entrepreneurs. We want to create something together. We want to do something that's simple and fun and makes women feel good. But it, we kept starting and stopping, starting and stopping and not really going for it. And so I think that's what I hear from a lot of my friends and other peers who are in this similar stage is like getting over that hump, as you mentioned, of like just going for it. I think I even asked you, Nicole, like, how did you take that leap? Because that for us was, I mean, it took us years to finally make that leap and put this out to the world. So um, that was kind of a pivotal um, accomplishment is just we did a soft launch to friends and family on our social media channels. We literally had a website and product and that was it. We had absolutely no plan and we put it out as a soft launch, a friends and family launch, because I think for us, that's what we, that made it comfortable for us and safe for us to do it at the time. And that simple step, I think really changed everything and made it a real thing. In the third most listened to episodes of 2022 is a woman who needs no introduction. By far the biggest, the most popular guest I've ever had on the show. Episode 95 features Jenna Kutcher, whose own podcast is in the top 0.01% of all podcasts, is a New York Times bestselling author of the book, How Are You Really?, and is the master of all things online marketing. I basically get asked the same two questions about this episode a lot. (laughs) The first question is, how did you get her on the show? And the second is, what was she really like? The answer to the first question, how I got her on, is really simple. I asked multiple times. I put myself out there knowing that the answer was going to be no. And then I followed up and followed up, but not in an annoying stalker-like way, not as a person who couldn't take no for an answer. But I followed up as suggested. I paid attention to what was going on in her world. I invested that time and energy. So when I asked and when I had that good follow-up, in the end, it ended up that it was the good timing that made it happen. With her first book coming out, I knew she'd be heavy into promotion. I knew because I was about to do it myself, albeit in a much smaller scale, but I knew that she'd be wanting to get that message out and that her target audience would be women with goals. And hey, I know a few of those. So the stars aligned and I got her on my show. And by the way, my team almost died of shock because somehow I forgot to tell them as it happened really, really fast. Like we scheduled within a few days and they just saw it on my calendar. So obviously very exciting to get her on, which leads to the second question of what was she really like? And the answer was that she was as real, down to earth and talented as she seems from afar. But she was also generous, engaged and kind. I never once got the feeling that she thought she was doing me a favor or that she felt better than. She showed up with as much energy 
and as much great content as I imagine she did for some of the most popular top shows that also had her on. And now I respect and admire her even more. In the number three spot with all of her energy, wisdom, and encouragement is How Are You Really with Jenna Kutcher. You know, one of my greatest teachers in this has actually been my three-year-old. Um, I watch her and I'm like, oh, this girl is so doesn't care what people think is so creative, is so inspired, is so curious, is so alive. And I'm like, when do we lose that? And like my literal job as her mom is like, I want to preserve that for her as long as I possibly can, because the world, like you said, is so noisy that it's like constantly telling us like, you need to do this, or you need to show up this way, or you need to sit, you never say no. And so I think it really begins with getting quiet with ourselves. And I think that is the hardest thing for most women, especially working women doing the nine to five, doing the 5k every day is really hard. What we need to do is get back to the couch. Have you seen those like apps where it's like, go from couch to 5k. I'm like, Oh no, we're running the 5k daily. We need to like learn how to rest for a minute and then maybe two minutes and then maybe an hour and then maybe a day. Um, and so for me, it's like getting quiet with yourself and also just starting to notice, like have this awareness, like when do you get excited? When do you have goosebumps? When do you feel that ping of like, I don't like that person or that energy starting to like pay attention and simply notice allows for you to build up that trust of like, no, those aren't just like random things. Like that's your inner knowing that we all have that has been like silenced over time. So my favorite thing about that, I have an almost nine-year-old and yes. it's true. It's yeah. there. We just yeah. disconnect. But I think there's good news in that, that it is still there, yes. which means we can find it again. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I can't have you on my podcast and not ask about your married to Mr. Six Pack viral moment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to read the book. But in yeah. times like that, and as someone with over a million followers, I would imagine that happens fairly often. Yeah. How do you tame your inner narrative in the face of criticism? Like, what do you actually say to yourself? Yeah. So the story that we're talking about is I had this post go viral and it's me in a bathing suit next to my husband on a beach in Hawaii. And my husband is super fit. It is his passion. My passion is business and podcasting and writing a book. Um, and his passion is fitness. And so I've always believed this lie in my head that like when people see us, they believe we're mismatched, right? We all have that like story that we tell ourselves. I'm the fat friend or I'm the dumb one, or I can't do this. And that was my lie is like, whenever somebody meets us, the lie that I told myself was like, they were looking at us thinking, oh, how did she land him? And what happened was, is uh, somebody reached out and said my exact deepest fear and said it to me. How did you, how did a girl like you manage to land a guy like him? And for so many of us, like our insecurities are like so down deep, like we will do anything to hide them. And when somebody speaks them or like weaponizes it against you, it is like the most massive trigger. And so I don't normally do this, but I kind of clapped back at it and was like, we have been together for a decade. We are so much more than our body is like, we are like, he has loved me through every phase of my body. And what people didn't know at the time is when we went viral, we were actually trying to get pregnant for the third time. So we had suffered two losses. And so it was a such a tender season for me and my body. And, um, I remember they always say, don't read the comments. And guess what I did? I read the comments and, um, I mean, they were, I can remember verbatim what they said, like, don't call her curvy. She's fat. Like she's a beached whale. Like all, I mean, all of these things, which is actually really ironic. Cause I am a very normal sized human being, but 
to answer your question, like my narrative has to be this, this belief that like my brain and my body are teammates. They're not opponents. My body is not the enemy. My body is carrying me through this life. My body is capable, all of these things. And one thing that I think we get wrong a lot as a society, when it comes to self-love is we paint it as this place of arrival. Like we think like someday I will love myself and then it'll all just disappear. But like self-love is like constant redirection of that narration, constant redirection of the stories we tell ourselves, constant redirection of the comments we get or the comments we give ourselves, and just reminding ourselves like, this is what we are. This is what we believe. And this is how we show up. Kind of a funny fact about our number two, most listened to episode of 2022 is that it was also the most edited episode of the year, not because the content wasn't great or because of any massive screw ups or anything like that. It was because my guest was super sick during the recording of it. She coughed, sneezed, and sniffled her way through the entire episode like a freaking champ. And Nikki managed to somehow edit all of that stuff out. My guest did what so many of us do. She showed up even though she felt awful and probably should have been in bed and delivered not only a phenomenal episode, but a better one than a lot of other people could have done fully healthy and at their very best. She covers a topic that I wasn't sure I, I really ever wanted to cover on the show, romantic love. As you know, I already feel that women get the message far too often that finding the person of their dreams is something that we should all aspire to and that we shouldn't feel whole or complete until we find them, which is a load of bullshit. So I could not have been more excited to have found this guest to cover this topic. Referred to me by one of my good friends, Gina DeVee, Celebrity love coach Nicole Moore drops some serious advice and comes in at the number two spot of the year with episode number 98, Connecting to Your Inner Love Coach. I don't believe that love advice is one size fits all necessarily. And throughout the 10 plus years that I've been doing this, what I started to notice, because I've literally talked to thousands of women on the phone about their love lives. And I started to notice that there was different archetypes, like different people needed different things. So I will say, um, if it doesn't fit for you, the advice, then maybe there's, there's, you know, it's not that you're bad or wrong. It's just, that's not the right love advice <laughs> for you. So I'm not about the rules or anything like that. But for instance, I noticed that some women are what I call the overgiving martyr. That's like a JLo. They, you know, JLo makes every guy better <laughs> somehow because she's giving her energy. So she gives too much. So for a woman like that, her, the mistake she's doing is usually she gives too much of herself and her magic. She projects it onto the guy or the woman that she's dating as if they're magic. She's waiting to get something back from them. She never gets enough back. And then usually they hurt her and she's left feeling not good enough. So that woman, I might say to her, put your boundaries up honor your worth, communicate, right? But some women are different, like what I call the chronically single woman who's just been single forever and she has a big wall up and she doesn't want to be disappointed. And these women often don't give people a chance. So you see, my advice to her would honestly be very different. I might tell her, go on three dates with a guy and give him a chance. But I might tell the other woman, hey, if you feel a no, right away say no because you're giving too much. So I think it's it's critically important first if you're going to take in any love advice or advice to understand like who am I? What are my patterns? Where are the areas where I tend to fall off? So with that being said, some of the mistakes that I see women making in a general sense are one not valuing themselves, right? Like and you talked about this in, in the intro. 
Unfortunately, women are taught pretty much since birth that their value is dependent on outside things, on how much men approve of them, on so many things. So I always say your worth is not dependent on things that can change. Your age can change. Your looks can change. Your money can change. If you're tying your worth to anything that can change, you are going to feel bad <laughs> some of the time, right? So we, we, but we're not trained that way. We're, women are trained, and this is, has to do with advertising and buying things, that if you change this, buy this, do that, you will finally be loved. And so a lot of women I see, they're settling, they're not communicating. There's this fear of like, if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to lose love. I'm not going to be loved. And I think that's at the root of most mistakes at the end of the day. This idea that love is outside of us, something we have to chase and earn and be good enough for. We are not the generator of love in our own lives, even when we're in a relationship and we're afraid. So a lot of what I do is just systematically helping women let go of the fears because love is inside of you. I always tell people, my job is to help you connect to your inner love coach. Like you have that inside of you. You have that voice of love inside of you. It's there. It's better than anything I could ever tell you about your love life is that voice inside of you. And you can't hear it if you're listening to the fears. So the biggest mistake, letting fear control your love life, because you can't, you can no longer hear that voice of love inside of you. That's like, Hey, date this person, communicate this. Don't date that person. Go here, go there. And that voice will give you everything. All right, friends, I know you know how this works. So this brings us to the number one most listened to episode of 2022 and the second most listened to episode of This Is Woman's Work of all time. The popularity of this episode was a complete surprise, not because I'm not proud of it, but because we tested something new and because it was recorded during the most chaotic time of my life. I knew I needed to record an episode to release the week of my book launch, but I didn't know what I wanted to say. Do I talk about the experience of writing a book? Do I cover some of the content within the book? Do I talk about all the emotions that go along with writing and publishing and marketing a book? And where the hell do I find the time to write and record an episode? Seriously, I had no minutes left and had paused recordings for our show for a good six weeks during book launch. So I had the idea to ask one of my VIP book launch supporters if they wanted to host the show. Look at me, I'm delegating, right? And from that, one of my favorite hours of the entire year was created. I knew Madison would come prepared and deliver because that's how she does just about everything. I knew she wanted to do it, but would probably overthink and struggle with perfectionist tendencies because that's what I struggle with too. I knew she'd bring passion and energy because she is the ultimate hype woman. But what I didn't know, what I couldn't have predicted was what a gift it would be for me to watch confidence in action right before my eyes. If you haven't already listened to this episode, you can hear some of the nervousness, maybe some fear, possibly some doubts as she opens the show. But then as trusting yourself and getting into action often does, you can hear her pick up steam. You can hear the trust paying off. You can hear her confidence building. 
Now, this is a woman with professional success and undeniable competence with unquestioned talent. So when I say one of the greatest gifts in the work that I do is being able to be a witness to women stepping into their confidence, it's moments like this that I think about. And you all get to be a witness to it too. She asked great questions and I happen to know she did research and polled people to find out what they would want to know. And because life was super chaotic and I really didn't even have time to think, I answered those questions with no filter and no worry about how it sounded. I'm also proud to share that I know Madison has since been a guest on another podcast. And I'd like to think that doing this helped her grow the confidence to do that. So with a real life demonstration in choosing confidence and getting into action in the face of all of those confidence derailers, the episode that I'm most proud of, which also happened to coincide with a bucket list achievement, which is literally the hardest thing I've ever done professionally launching my book. I bring to you episode number 108, Validation is for Parking with guest host, Madison Wilcox. You mentioned in the book, like some people say, I'll be more confident when blah, blah, blah happens, or I'll be more confident when this, um, and really just knowing that your definition of confidence really just kind of makes it all click. So with that, how did you come up with your own version of this? And what's really led you to this like life's work of coaching people on confidence? Yeah. So as it relates to confidence, um, I was just so confused about what it was and what it wasn't. We're getting false and mixed messages everywhere we look. And as so many of us are, we're being told to be confident. Like I heard that so often, like being confident. So be confident, be brave, be it, but it's like, okay, but how? So it became, you know, figuring it out for myself. And as I was figuring it out for myself, I wanted to share it with others. And and so, yes, I went to the root of the word, the etymology. I went way back into the Latin and the middle English and how it translates in different languages, because I wanted to make sure confidence wasn't the, one of those words that is being thrown around and meaning too many different things or, or meaning what it doesn't really mean. I didn't want it to evolve into something less than what it is because what I believe what it is is so powerful. And, and it's this idea of firm and bold trust in ourselves. So I, I created this working definition of confidence is when you know who you are, there's a self-awareness component of that, really getting to know at a deep and intimate level your unique strengths, your talents, your abilities, your superpowers. I wanted us to spend time there because in working with so many women, when I asked them the things they know to be true about themselves, the average answer I was getting was about six. People could come up with six things if I really forced them to. But then when I asked them to come up with the things they know to be true about the people they love, their spouse, partner, child, best friend, the average number was 32. And so what I began to realize is we are not paying enough attention. We are not getting to know ourselves enough at that deep, intimate, loving level. So yes, confidence is when you know who you are. It's also when you own who you're not, which I think can be really challenging for all of us, especially those of us with perfectionist tendencies, those of us who think we're supposed to be everything to everyone all the time. And this owning who you're not part is, I think, so important. We live in a world where, so like if somebody is feeling ugly or not attractive, 
our response is to swarm and go, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're stunning, you're whatever. We tell every child they're smart. We tell every person they can do whatever they want. None of those things are true. Not everybody is beautiful. Everybody is beautiful in the way that we all have worth and value and something to offer this world. But if we're talking about the standard, which is an evolving standard, right? What was beautiful 20 years ago is not the same thing that's beautiful today. But if we're talking about this, like from a physical appearance standpoint, not everybody is beautiful. Not everybody is smart in the traditional sense. Not everybody it, it can do anything that they want. And so this owning who we're not thing, I think is very powerful. And it sounds like it could be harsh or uncomfortable. And, and, and maybe it is. I found it to be incredibly freeing for me to be able to say, I'm not that. That's not my purpose. This isn't meant for me. I'm not meant for that has helped me so tremendously live much freer <laughs> with much more trust. Um, and then finally, the opportunity we have, which is an ongoing opportunity and journey, which is to embrace all of it. So confidence is when you know who you are, own who you're not, and choose to embrace all of it. And all of that to me is about building that fundamental trust. Um, Madison, I do want to add one more thing that kind of ties back into your previous question that is really challenging, even for me, to remember when I'm in it. But a loving reminder that deep trust, the trust that's the most meaningful is often built during the hardest times, not during the best times. So I talked about, you know, when things are going well, it's easy to trust myself in those moments. It's easy to trust when things are going according to plan and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. That's a great place to be. But it's in moments like the last month even though it sucks, even though my head trash kicks up, even though all this, the noise is in my face and I hate the feeling when I'm in it, I know from a trust level at the deepest level that it's during this time that real confidence is being built. It's during this time that I'm having to choose my, my trust, that I'm having to trust myself second by second, minute by minute, because it's so hard to do it. And I know that that is where the real magic happens. If you haven't got your hands on a copy of Validation is for Parking yet, go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and get yourself and a friend a copy. Also, if you have a book club or are reading with a group of women in your firm or organization or community, please go to NicoleKhalil.com forward slash book and download your free book club guide there. Okay. Well, there you have it, friends. Three years of podcasting, 118 episodes, and I feel like we just keep getting better and better. If you have any ideas for topics you really want to hear or guests you'd like to hear from, make sure to reach out and let me know. And a massive thank you for joining me on this journey, for listening, for sharing, and for supporting and reviewing. If I can ask you one small favor, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and leave a review. You don't even need to write words. Just hit the stars. That three seconds makes a world of difference for us. As we close out one year and walk into all the possibilities and hopes for a new one, I'm sure you're asking yourself like I am, what do I want? What do I really want? What's the experience I'm looking for? What truly matters? What do I want more of? What do I want less of? 
who or what do I want to tell to fuck off? Okay. Maybe that's just me. I ask myself those questions. Well, maybe you're asking, what do I have to give? How can I take better care of people? How can I take better care of myself? There are so many questions, but for all of them, there's one constant. You are the decider. You are the only you there is, ever was, or ever will be, and that makes you fucking magical. So plan big plans, dream big dreams, and risk big risks. My love to you and yours, and I wish you joy and oh so much confidence in the new year. Let's all trust ourselves firmly and boldly and then go from there. Let's both take care of ourselves and get after what matters. Thank you for joining me as we all go out there and do woman's work.